Introducing a man who was turned down for a role on Naked and Afraid because he had prior TV experience. Yet no one knows what shows he was on. It's Joe Robinson. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to another edition of Barefoot and Bearded. still alive and it's 2019 so looking at the calendar this sunday january 13th at 8 30 a.m we're going to meet up with our pal susan at santiago park nature reserve in santa Ana for another mindfulness meditation and nature walk all the details are on our website calendar as well as our meetup calendar and you'll notice the calendar is somewhat bare uh, because we're relying more on your requests uh, this year. So if you have any ideas about what you'd like to see on the calendar, contact me. You can Here's the phone number, of course, 714-639-8480. Again, that's 714-639-8480. And, uh, or you can email me. And or you can contact any of our other naturalists on our homepage. There's a whole slew of them uh, with their contact information as well. Uh, and I'm looking at some interesting places to visit myself uh, because, well, after nine glorious years in Silverado Canyon, Leslie, Sydney, and I had to pack up our bags and move back to Orange with my mom because our landlord raised the rent. But you might be wondering, where is Pecan in the scenario? Our adorable little rooster, the Bantam Silky, who chimes in at the beginning of every episode of this podcast. Well, our neighbors also have chickens, and actually that's where we got Peanut, uh, Pecan's mother, our first chicken adoption, uh, going back to when we first moved to Silverado Canyon. 
Um, since they still have chickens and a coop and everything, Adam and his family are were willing to uh, house Pecan, our beloved rooster, for the time being. So he gets all the company of some other hens, and uh, we get to visit him, try to visit as often as possible, but at the very least every Tuesday. So if you wanted to come out to the canyon with me and visit our rooster and wander around in Lad and enjoy the flowing creek and all the beauty that I sorely miss. Also, oh, the quietude. It's incredible how much noisier it is here in Orange. Um, but I'm making the best of it. We are making the best of it. And um, now that I'm back in Orange where I grew up, I'm actually seeing it in a new light, and there's a lot of natural and cultural history that I didn't quite notice before, and some of it I already knew about, but I am appreciating to the fullest extent. So I have some ideas about some new places to visit in Orange that you probably didn't know about, and if you did, well, you're one of the proud few. So uh, I'm hoping to expand that awareness of all the hidden gems here in the city of, city of Orange and beyond. And I'm um, hoping to hear from all of you listeners, all our followers on Facebook and Instagram, and all our members on Meetup, and all those on our email list, and those who just frequent our website. Please uh, let us know what you want to see. Uh, and hopefully you're willing to commit to a date and a time, and I can figure out the location or any of our knowledgeable naturalists can do that and figure out those details but um, the most important thing is showing up and um, I look forward to meeting all of you if I haven't already and uh, I'm sure we'll have a good time but uh, moving on I figured I'd just interview myself this time I do have a really cool list of well I think it's cool friends of mine that I want to interview throughout 2019 all very unique personalities. Uh, but uh, so much has happened in the past few months since the last podcast that uh, I want to bring you up to date. And uh, obviously I moved, but uh, in addition to that, I was on a big trip uh, last summer. Uh, I went to Ireland and Scotland, so I want to share the highlights of that experience. And also I'm in the process of figuring out how to better serve the community on behalf of Naturalist for You, our 12-year-old charity that um, I just want to make sure that we're effective at getting people out on the trails and helping people explore all the ways to live simply and in harmony with, the, with Mother Nature, which is what I'm trying to do. And uh, so I'm exploring new ways to do that, uh, trying to forge new partnerships and work with different groups and take requests and all that. And so I want to discuss that more with you and brainstorm throughout this podcast. And uh, also, 2019 marks the 250th anniversary of a famous expedition that went from San Diego all the way up to Monterey. This was back in 1769. I'll give you a hint. The leader of this expedition, his name starts with a P. And if you've been on my tours, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you've had fourth grade history, you probably know as well. Uh, 
I'll give you another hint. Where do ships go to dock? Those uh, brigs, you know, the merchant ships that have all of those supplies. It starts with a P. Also, you guessed it, a port. And that is part of his name. It's Gaspar de Portola. And uh, him and many, many other people went on this exploration along our coast. And they were looking for places to put the missions. And they kept journals of the experience. And I encourage you to read these journals. They have been translated from Spanish to English. Uh, there are three main journals, one written by Portola himself. The accent is on that A. And uh, two others, one by Father or Frey Juan Crespi and another gentleman. I can't remember his name offhand. But if you look up the Portola Expedition diaries or journals online, you can find all of them translated. And it's pretty fascinating. They, uh, Frey Juan Crespi has the most detailed journals describing, uh, or journal entries describing the scenery and uh, natural resources, some of the people they encountered, including representatives of the local indigenous villages. And it helps uh, connect the reader to some place names, some Spanish place names that you might not otherwise understand, like Christianitos down south uh, around San Onofre State Beach and uh, other such names, Tribuco. Uh, all these mysterious Spanish names that we... I like to talk about on my tours out on the trail. And um, anyway, this expedition happened in 1769, 250 years ago. And it turns out that one of my family members was on this expedition. And of course, I don't have my notes with me, but I think his name was Pablo Antonio Cota or Antonio Pablo Cota. I don't know. The names seem interchangeable. But uh, either way, uh, he was a relative on my dad's side. Uh, that happened to be on this expedition, and they camped in what is now the city of Orange, next to what is now Yorba Regional, or sorry, Yorba Park, uh, the dog park, uh, next to the Chapman Avenue um, and 55 Freeway intersection, and the Santiago Creek bike trail. And there's a historic plaque there commemorating when they camped, and they camped on my birthday, July 27th. 1769. So uh, if I'm in town, I'll probably schedule a walk or a ride or something uh, so we can pass by that historic plaque and talk about it. Uh, and um, so I don't know, that's it's sort of interesting how my mom and dad, they went to Chapman College before it was a university. Uh, uh, my mom came from Gardena and my dad came from Santa Barbara area. And uh, they ended up staying here in the city of Orange and then having me uh, and just, you know, coincidentally on the very day that, you know, a very distant ancestor camped in the same area. So I've been really involved in connecting all these dots in my family history. Uh, thankfully, my mom and dad who... Uh, Mom's still alive. Dad passed away a few years ago at 57. Um, thankfully, uh, both our families have kept pretty decent records and shared a lot of stories about our ancestry. And uh, it's fueled a lot of my uh, research uh, in 
to local history uh, because my dad's side um, also has a lot of, uh, as far as I can tell, indigenous from Southern California and Mexico, and then also uh, some overseas heritage from the British Isles. And, uh, well, that's a good segue, I suppose, because I've been visiting the British Isles every now and again for the past 20 years, and I just keep going back. I can't help myself. I really enjoy it there ever since I first visited uh, right after high school. And um, so I went on another trip, uh, this time without Leslie and Sydney. We had gone the year prior uh, all together, and that was a great time. Uh, I think it was a month and a half and uh, around that. And uh, so I did the same thing again um, this past summer. And um, I couldn't pass up the opportunity because I scored a ticket uh, through Wow Airlines. I was just using Google Flights to find anything cheap. And (laughs) there was this $150, roughly $150 ticket to Dublin one way. And uh, I could have taken a well, $300 round trip ticket to Dublin and back, but uh, I actually wanted to fly into Ireland, explore, uh, because I do have some Irish heritage on my dad's side as well, and um, for about two weeks or so, and then take the ferry over to Scotland and spend another two weeks there. And uh, Oh, so I was gone a month. That's right. And, um, and then fly out of Edinburgh. So... Uh, I worked it all out, and I scored another affordable ticket, just a little over 200 bucks, uh, to fly out of Edinburgh. And so the total trip was, I don't know, a little over $300. Um, and then, you know, I paid for the bus a few times and paid for food here and there. But for the most part, that was the total cost of my trip. It was unbelievable. It's probably the most inexpensive overseas trip I've ever had. And um, this is where it gets really good as far as I'm concerned. So uh, when I flew into Dublin, in order to keep my ticket extra cheap, I didn't take anything. Uh, I took a little bag with some snacks and some essential items, which I don't know, like my passport and very basic stuff. And and a little water bottle and some reusable utensils. Um, but that was it. Because uh, in WOW Airlines, they are super affordable unless uh, you start taking baggage and picking your seat and all these. They, everything's an additional cost. So I wanted to keep it at the, the lowest rate. So I, I just took this little bag thinking, well, you know, I've been there enough times. I'm comfortable with the culture and the landscape and I'm just going to rely on uh, just the you know whatever circumstances uh, arise as to how I survive and and just read the landscape uh, cultivate relationships with whoever I meet and and (laughs) and just see what happens and it worked out so amazingly well Uh, the fact that I was completely at the mercy of the people of Ireland and Scotland uh, really enhanced my experience. And and when I say at mercy, I didn't have enough money to really pay for a whole lot of 
travel uh, by train or bus or anything like that. So I, um, my friend Tanya, who had just gone to Ireland right before I did, uh, she gave me some bus fare, which I utilized and uh, went from the airport to uh, the town center of Dublin. And then from there I wandered around and uh, went to the Temple Bar and went to, um, uh, oh, what was it, the oldest pub in Dublin um, and had a Guinness there. That was pretty cool. Um, but then uh, my 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 hope was to get to Kilkenny, and I still had a little bit more money to take the bus um, further to Kil Kilkenny. And the reason I wanted to go to Kilkenny was because I had a long-distance relationship, uh, pretty much, actually only through email, with uh, this guy Tom Moore, uh, who happens to run this really amazing animation studio called cartoon saloon and um we're about the same age and uh i almost went into a career of animation or or somehow related to uh the entertainment arts uh and uh being an illustrator and sculptor and everything i was really into character design and i did this flash animation back in the late 90s that um tom moore also did and uh, uh he has a uh, amazing background in illustration and very similar and uh, but he started a cartoon company and I switched gears and went into the environmental education realm and uh, you know the rest of my story but uh, I wanted to learn the rest of his because the types of cartoons that him and his team have been making are quite um, wonderful uh, from a naturalist perspective uh, they they all seem to have somewhat of an environmental message and a message of stewardship and also um uh they're they explore the uh heritage of ireland uh and uh if you know anything about the heritage of ireland it's very uh deeply connected to um mother nature the natural environment and um so anyway I, I, they've come up with a few movies if you haven't heard of cartoon saloon uh, they've been nominated for all sorts of awards, including Academy Awards. Um, there's uh, The Secret of Kells. It was their first full-length feature. And then they did one called Song of the Sea. Uh, both of those critically praised. And now they're working on another one uh, called Wolf Walkers that is going to explore um, what happened in the 1600s when Oliver Cromwell sent all these folks over to Ireland to clear the forests and make plantations and kill all the, the wolves and everything and basically just subdue the Irish. Um, and uh, it's a horrible period of time, but uh, uh, they're tackling it with these two um, young girl characters, one English uh, and one Irish uh, who become friends, and yet their parents are at odds um, because of the, you know, the colonial expansion that's happening and um so anyway uh i went to kilkenny and fell in love with the place this is a river that runs through it and the town and there's a castle and all that which i would expect but um more than that there's just all these wonderful people that i got connected to oh and even just the bus ride to kilkenny i met this wonderful man and had great conversations and that was just that was the theme 
for my entire trip. It's like everywhere I went, I met wonderful people who were genuinely interested in having convert like meaningful conversations, uh, not just superficial fluff and, um, willing to help with, you know, if I had any questions about anything, um, needed to get from one place to another and, um, and just like instantaneous friendship, like as far as I'm concerned, like if, if I didn't live here, I would be seeing these people on a regular basis. It was so easy to get to know people. And I was just on this ride of positive energy that never stopped. Uh, and, um, so I got to, when I got to go, Kenny was sort of late and I stopped by this, um, tavern, this medieval tavern. Uh, I think that was actually the name of it. And, um, turns out there was this art show going on and, uh, this lady had painted a bunch of, um, landscape, uh, local landscape, uh, pictures and they were all on display and they, they had like hors d'oeuvres, cheese and crackers and things like that there. And I was just walking by and I said, Hey, is this, when's this, I saw the sign, when's the show starting? Like, oh, come on in. We're starting now. And before I knew it, I was just talking to everybody at this this gallery showing, and the late the artist who painted the pictures. Who, I mean, she was just so talkative and sharing the story behind each painting, and and I just, you know, as more and more people came into the gallery, and the owners of the the tavern themselves that were just the loveliest couple, and and everybody's just so incredibly sweet and. Uh, yeah, and there was free food too. So, and I didn't have a whole lot of money, so that worked out well. And, um, but then it got later and later and I hadn't actually connected with, uh, Tom and his gang, which were going to be my first, uh, points to actually, hopefully, um, I don't know, figure out some sort of accommodation or something like that. Um, cause, uh, basically I spent everything on the flight over. Right. So, um, but cartoon saloon was closed and this, and I was hanging out at this tavern after hours. And, um, so, um, in any case, I didn't know what to do. Um, but, oh, rewind. Um, the one thing about wow airlines that is, um, uh, sort of it's a hitch for some but i think most people these days really w wouldn't mind this uh delay um no matter where you're going uh, you have to stop in iceland first because it's an icelandic airline so uh, i had an extraordinarily long layover in iceland um i think it was like 19 hours or something like that uh and uh before i got into dublin and um, so i wandered around keflavik uh, this little coastal town which i had been to before and um i knew <laughs> i ended up dumpster diving um in multiple places for food one um but then i also scored a sleeping bag which i didn't have you know i didn't have anything so um flash forward to uh kilkenny it's so late that no accommodations are really available and the ones that are are more than i can afford so uh, I ended up just taking my sleeping bag and finding a little out of the way park in a neighborhood. And, uh, there's this grass field and I just find this 
spot on the field where there's no light shining on it right next to a stream that's flowing. Uh, this is just in a residential neighborhood um, outside of the historic town center and uh, went to sleep right there. And um, there's one funny thing about that spot that I picked uh, because there was a across the creek from the field right next to where I slept there was a slope and on that slope it looked like there was this um, walled off area that sort of looked like a cemetery or something but uh, and there was this little chapel like building at the um, one end and and it looked like there was water flowing out of the chapel into the creek which is sort of strange but I, I was so exhausted by that point I had hung out at that artist party um, and then wandered around listening to all the traditional um, musical sessions, the trad sessions um, at all the different pubs before I went to sleep. So um, needless to say, I didn't really pay too much attention to that scenery where I slept until the next morning. And um, even then I was more uh, interested in getting back to town and uh, once Cartoon Saloon opened up, I could meet up with Tom and, and get to know him better and learn more about his story and his illustration style, which is very similar to mine, and, and, and hopefully connect with all the other uh, talented people at that uh, studio. So I packed up my stuff in the morning. It was freezing cold. My bag was sort of wet and everything, but as I survived, and uh, eventually their office opened. I connected with all of them, and they're the, just the coolest people in the world. Uh, if I had stayed in animation, I, I, can, I can't think of anywhere else I'd want to work in the world except for Cartoon Saloon. Uh, and they even had this other movie about Afghanistan called The Breadwinner that, uh, I mean, they're just, they're so willing to tackle difficult subjects, but, but in a way that um, even a child can uh, digest the information and it, and it just really well-rounded stories, great character development, but the design and the feeling is just incredible. Um, and from funny to heart wrenching to everything in between. So anyway, um, I'm talking with all of them and getting to know Tom and the team. And I got a tour from, um, their staff members of all the studio space that they have at three different historic buildings. And, um, and and then we hung out uh, on the castle steps and had lunch together and then hung out later at a, a, a pub restaurant and um, uh, Ross, a uh, close friend of Tom, um, you know, we had been talking long enough. He's like, so where'd you camp last night? And I said, oh, I camped and described the place, this field next to a stream. And there was this little miniature chapel looking thing with water coming out. What was that? And he goes, oh, that's... Um, uh, Kenny's uh, well, that's um, that's a spring, uh, a natural spring where people go daily and collect their water to drink. And uh, anybody who knows me knows that I'm I'm all about trying to drink the you know the most natural water I can versus this horribly um, dead. Um, chemical laden stuff that we get from the water districts and um, so I you know in Silverado I drink from our Lad Creek and and then we had a spring that we took advantage of and we were even getting water from other places too if our local source ran out but so to find out that there was this natural spring right next to where I slept was just 
the best thing in the world for me to hear. And so, you know, after hanging out um, with all of them and I, I went back to that site and, and found the Kenny's well, and it, it was uh, surrounded by this dry stack wall and, um, and uh, it was, you know, it was just the most peaceful place. And I, there was nobody there and I collected my water and there was a little bit of trash left around. So I wanted to, you know, as a fair exchange for getting my gift, I picked up some of the trash uh, in the site and, and then I had to pee really bad. So I went around the, the wall to this uh, area of shrubbery and was peeing and noticed just on the other side of the wall, somebody had left a tent, I don't know, a week or two or maybe more ago and it's all wet and just sitting there and thought wow all right so now i have a natural source of water i have a sleeping bag i found in iceland and now i have a tent um potentially and then i turn around and there's this guy getting his water there an older man who comes regularly and i go hey i just found this tent behind the wall do you think it's okay to take it um he said oh yeah people leave their tents behind you know just to help out others or homeless people or whatever i think i saw some people camping here few weeks ago um they were just traveling from sp spring to spring or something and he said yeah yeah go ahead take it you know and then leave it for the next person when you don't need it anymore and so i did and so now i had a tent a sleeping bag and and friends in kilkenny and uh, ended up spending the night at tom's place uh and uh he's just the sweetest person and all of them were just so inspiring and uh, getting the tour of the studio um, I got to see artwork for their upcoming Wolf Walkers, which looks amazing. And um, you can watch the trailer online for that. And um, I mean, it, the, the types of people, you know, if they weren't animators, they would be park rangers or environmental educators or or um, life coaches or, who, uh, you know, some, something that helps out humanity, basically. Um, and and you know, if I think more than one animator just was barefoot everywhere and um it was just uh like these are my people <laughs> so um and and i was just amazed this one lady young lady who um worked at cartoon saloon she was her feet were so tough i was actually wearing shoes at the time dealing with the you know the weather changes that were so drastic in california i got all these cracks in my feet from the dry wet dry wet weather and uh, she's looking at me like, are you the one who's supposed to be barefoot? <laughs> and um, uh, but she was just on any surface. She's like, yeah, I and I don't even get the cracks in my feet. And I was like I'm blown away. I don't know, maybe because where she is from is more humid consistently. I don't know. Um, or different diet or what. But uh, that's a whole other tangent. But um, just to even have conversations about barefooting and stuff like that at the uh, steps of the castle in Kilkenny and was just awesome and uh in the morning I, I had gone by the river and just watched the uh i don't even know what you, that fog that clings to the river and then just starts as the sun creeps up uh and and illuminates the fog it starts leaving the river and it's just the most incredible just beautiful experience beautiful meeting people beautiful scenery everything and uh but then i went back to dublin and that's oh and i had determined that i was going to hitchhike from that point on and because i didn't have enough money to 
travel any other way. And my friend Dan, he had hitchhiked, um, I think, if I remember correctly, like 20 years ago, hitchhiked around Ireland. I'd gone to Scotland on a trip around the same time, but took the train and uh, uh, mostly and had the money to pay for travel. And uh, But he had hitchhiked, and, and that had that was one of the inspirations I I held on to that story he told me for this 20 years thinking sooner or later I'm going to do this somewhere, you know, because we used to be able to hitchhike. We, you know, uh, uh, as a society, hitchhike everywhere, you know, in Southern California, everybody hitchhiked and then, you know, everybody became paranoid and all that. So, you know, I felt like I was at the tail end of the period where the glory days. Right. So I wanted to, I had heard you could still hitchhike in Ireland, and so I thought I'd give it a try. When I talked with those medieval tavern uh, folks, I had told them my intentions at that art gallery showing the night before, and and they said, "Oh yeah, yeah, we you know we know where there's um, uh, a place to stand for hitchhikers," um, and and they gave me some hints, and they even gave me cardboard and a pen so I could put destinations on it and. And so when I was leaving Kilkenny, I walked to this this uh, location that that the tavern owner had told me about. And I'm waiting there for a while. And then the somebody drives up and parks in front of me uh, along this thoroughfare. And he says, I can't take you to where you want to go, but you're in the wrong spot. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, you're, you're going to find you're going to have more chances of getting hitched uh, a ride if if um you go to this other spot and he's trying to describe where it is and he's like just get in the car i'll take you to the other spot and you know in southern california i i suppose i'd be more wary most people would about just going into strangers cars but there's just this level of trust that is through the roof and i suppose you know hitchhikers are going to attract po- folks who like to pick up hitchhikers and 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 People like to pick up strangers on the road. You know, they're looking for everybody. It's like we it's like minds attracting each other. So uh, in a way, there was already a filter in terms of uh, who would pick me up, you know, uh, and we, we attracted each other in that way. So anyway, this guy was so nice and he put me in the right spot, according to what he had um, uh, determined. And uh, so I'm waiting there. And then like. um uh, I don't remember how long it took, but uh, this lorry driver, he turned out to be Polish lorry driver, super um, nice guy, really into hiking and exploring all over the world. He picked me up, lorry driver being truck driver, and he took me back to Dublin because I, I had actually arranged in advance um, to meet up with uh, this uh, lovely forger named Zanetta, uh, who was uh, going to this permaculture convergence um in this other part of ireland just uh south of dublin um in the wicklow area so um so i got this ride from the the lorry driver and he took me all the way to the right spot um and i got out and thanked him and stayed in touch with him and uh and then like here and there and everywhere i I could be standing in the wrong place somebody say oh you need to stand over here other person i'm waiting you know supposedly in the right place but my sign isn't that visible with the ballpoint pen i'm using this guy just whips out a a a thick uh felt tip marker um so i could improve my sign and then i immediately get picked up by another 
um, driver and, and, and just every person who picked me up, which is so friendly. I mean, it was just incredible. And it's just from one place to another, you know, for two weeks straight, I was able to hitchhike all over central and northern Ireland uh, for free. Uh, and, and just every single person I hitched a ride with, we'd have like endless conversation for the entire ride, no matter if it was like 20 minutes to a few hours. And, uh, and I've remained uh, in contact with almost every single one of these individuals who gave me a ride. I ended up spending the night at people's houses who had given me rides. And it's just like the most magical experience that I didn't expect it to be that incredible. I mean, it's just like in terms of humanity and, you know, it's easy to get down on. We can all get down on ourselves, right? Um, for all the the bad things that we're doing to each other. But Ireland was just the shining example of everything that we're doing right uh, as humans, uh, it, at least from my limited perspective for two weeks. It was just, you know, the, the amount of generosity and positive energy and trust and, and just, ugh, it was incredible. And, um, you know, I'd love to share more. Uh, I'll probably share more on other podcasts or, um, I don't know. I don't want to bore you with my entire trip, uh, I suppose. Um, but, uh, I eventually took the ferry over to Scotland and, and had another two weeks of hitchhiking adventures, uh, that were just as incredible as in Ireland and, and finished in this place called this magical, I would consider it a Mecca now, a place that I need to go back to and, Hey, maybe oh, who knows what, um, but, uh, Dunkeld and Burnham, uh, these two little villages connected by an old bridge. Um, I, it, it was just amazing. I, I went there on, on a suggestion after hanging out at the William Wallace monument, this guy, um, Robert Muir told me about it. Uh, you know, a uh, Muir M U I R like John Muir told me to visit Dunkeld and Burnham because they had this beautiful, mountainous scenery, old trees, um, an amazingly old, uh, uh, church and, uh, you know, like from the middle ages and, and there was a, even a, a pub called, the uh, uh, Tay Bank that, um, was owned by Dougie McLean at one time, this, uh, amazing Scottish musician. Um, so I ended up there and just befriending you can't help but befriend everybody because everybody's in such a good mood. And uh, it was just like the ultimate finale to a trip. And uh, I think one of the main things I'm taking away from this, and I've definitely left a lot out uh, for future episodes, but uh, is that like there's no reason to wait to go for, uh, for going on a vacation, a holiday to be a good human being. Uh, and it, I find that people tend to take for granted their their immediate living situation. But the minute they go on vacation, they're in like a better mood and everything. And I, I think that's there's a choice. I mean, yes, we're not all in our favorite jobs and we're suffering in all sorts of ways, sometimes self-inflicted. Sometimes we have no choice uh, in the matter. But uh, but we we do have a choice as to how we perceive all of it. And and I think uh to to make the best 
out of any given situation and treat everybody as if they're going to be, you know, as a new friend of yours, um, is just like, and that's, and that's how it went for the whole trip. And, and so I'm trying my best. I even hitchhiked here when I got back, um, twice so far, hoping to do more of that in California, a place where people don't do it anymore. And just trust everybody and everything. And if somebody takes advantage of me, oh, well, that's life. It's like, I don't have, it, it, I think it's a, a joke to pretend to have complete control over the situation. But I feel like the one thing I do have control over is my my mindset and, and, and how I deal with any given situation. So um, don't get me wrong. I still dwell on negatives every now and again. And boy, living in the city of Orange, um, there's all sorts of challenges. Um, but I do love the city, um, having grown up here. Um, I'm really excited about some of the places that I want to share with guests. Um, I want to do a historic El Medina uh, tour, uh, probably a walking, uh, a bicycling one, and maybe even a driving tour, um, and interweave the natural history with that, birds and plants and everything else. But there's um, where I'm living now is in East Orange, and there's all these little pockets of history going back to the 1800s um, or even further back um, that you can still find. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, one of my, I mean, there's a nice trail that I have been leading tours on called the El Medina Open Space. Um, and El Medina used to be its own you know, village, and it's even been considered a rancheria, which is like the Spanish word for Native American village back in the day. And uh, it gets, uh, once the Quakers um, established officially the town of El Medina, um, and they had a, a, a church uh, that is now um, a part of Moreno's restaurant on Chapman, um, uh, you know, you have more evidence of that history than than the native american history but even so um and i suspect there's some stuff that um i'm going to meet up with some folks at the end of the month some archaeologists i think i've um there's a few things uh around these hills that uh seem to be evidence of the tongva tribe uh that's my suspicion but uh uh it's just really interesting around El Medina High School there's these just old old houses around that neighborhood and uh there's this amazing house up on this hill um real close to where I live and the craziest thing is I I've passed this house I don't know how many times and it and it uh I even going going back to when we first moved to East Orange uh I I went into fourth grade at Linda Vista Elementary School off of Cannon Street and Santiago Canyon Road. And um, on my fourth grade year, I can remember um, there was uh, another class. I think it was Mrs. Voss's class, um, if I'm not mistaken. I had Mrs. Darris, who got pregnant and, and went on a long-term leave, and then... Um, then I got another teacher who was amazing um, uh, for the rest of the time, uh, Mrs. Thompson, who was probably a big influence in my earlier artistic endeavors. She was an illustrator and taught us how to draw owls. And she had us 
Um, she had a pen pal relationship with Roald Dahl before he passed away and had our class write a letter to Roald Dahl. And he actually wrote a letter back to us and she read it in class. So this is like one of the coolest teachers in the world. Roald Dahl, for anybody who doesn't know, wrote uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and um, James and the Giant Peach and all those. George's Marvelous Medicine. Anyway, uh, I'm in that class with the coolest teacher ever. But then this other class that I'm not in, um, uh, another fourth grade class, uh, I think some of the kids uh, of the owner of this old mansion on the hill uh, were going to that class. We're, in, we're students. And because of that connection, that class got to go on a field trip to the house, to this old mansion. And I, I knew that of the mansion in terms of where it was located and seen it from the street. Um, and it's an old Victorian mansion built in 1887 or 1888 and um, surrounded by uh, some trees and, and wasn't in the best of shape um, back in 87 um, when we moved here. And uh, I mean, it wasn't in horrible shape, but it you know, looked like a haunted mansion. So um, already, you know, any young child who's been going to Disneyland and watched movies and TV and read spooky stories is just like, you know, just conjuring of all sorts of ideas about this place. And so this other class gets to go on a field trip there. We don't get to go. And then when they come back, the some of the kids, you know, at recess, they're telling the me and, and those who didn't get to go, oh, yeah, there's a ghost in the house. It's haunted. I'm like, what? There is? Uh, and they go, yeah, yeah. The, the family, they told us a story. The divorce um, were their names. And, and – they said that when they were giving us a tour of the house, they said that um, this man, and his name might have been Bauer or something like a former owner, he committed suicide off the stair rail um, from the second floor or something like that. And, um, and, and so the divorce, the newer owners, um, sometimes uh, the cabinets would shake and things would shake around the house as if the ghost was upset. And they figured out the only way to calm the ghost down was to play the piano. And this is like the best story for kids to hear. I'm like, you know, and, and that's stuck in my head um, all this time. And, you know, we just moved back after nine years in Silverado to Orange. And, and my daughter's 14 at Sydney. And I'm thinking we live next to a haunted mansion. They, you can't get any cooler than that. It's better than a movie, you know. And I tell her this story. And I thought, why don't we go up there and ring the doorbell and see if anybody comes out? We could maybe we could get a tour. And so, I um, <laughs> I went one day. Um, Sydney and I went riding our uh, riding our bikes around the neighborhood, and I said, "Let's go to the that house." And I'd been there one prior time, uh, just before that, with my friend Christine, who's a really cool person, part of the um santa Ana historical preservation society and she also works at fairhaven memorial park and she's really into all this haunted spooky stuff and living history so we had gone up and rung the doorbell once and it has a real doorbell like you could see the wall shaking and you could hear the ding ding dong 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 you know like big ben and she's all taking photos of the place but nobody ever came to the door so this is the second time I'm with Sydney. We walk up there, ring the doorbell. Nobody comes to the door. And But it's still just like so spooky. There's all these 
old um, carved, like full size statues of like rabbits and and human clothing and and like Catholic statues of like the Virgin Mary and like Francis of Assisi or whatever all around the trees and just and and just old wood carvings of these statues that are full size like human size and this fountain that stinks sort of of like sulfur and um, you know the paint's peeling a bit on the house and it's just got that that spooky vibe um but i swore i was gonna find out who the owner was and the, and the the third time it was at night and i rode my bike up this other time and the guy happened to be home and it turns out he's a young guy named andy bought the place in the late 90s after the divorce and he has a family and he he's an antique dealer and he used to have a shop up in santa monica and moved here but in any case he's a super nice guy and i told him the story that was told to me back in fourth grade about the man committing suicide over the stairway i i i couldn't even actually remember the story properly i thought it was like the basement or something but anyway i told him and he's like oh yeah i could tell you the story is true i'm like what do you mean and he said yeah when we first moved in i was standing up up at the top of the stairs next to the master bedroom and the master bedroom door was closed and my wife was in the master bedroom i was outside next to the stairway and all of a sudden the door to the master bedroom started shaking and i was calling out to my wife what are you doing what are you, why are you trying are you trying to open the door what why are you shaking the door and she is as so far into the room could barely hear what andy's saying and says what are you doing you know saying the same thing and um and then when the door stopped he opened the door and goes why were you shaking the door and she goes i thought you were shaking the door and it's like ooh yeah there it is right there you know <laughs> so anyway it, you know and this is just like a few blocks from our house or where we're living now with my mom and and there's all these other cool houses like that so I, you know uh as far as i'm concerned everything's connected and whether it's some aspect of cultural history like this mansion or or something like uh, the 1969 flood in Santiago Creek and there's uh, um, just all this cool history in the city of Orange and, and the Portola expedition and or Portola I should say and uh, and onward and 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 then the, you, you have the El Medina Hills right there which are have all this volcanic basalt which was turns out was used as one of the materials for the mysterious thousand-year-old cogged stones that were found around the village site at Bolsa Chica, you know? And so it's just like, it's endless. You know, and um, all the things that you can find uh, just no matter where you're at. So I'm really excited about things to do in this new year. Um, I am working out potentially having a... Uh, Dana Point Sea Cave Tour at the end of this month, open to the public, um, but we'll see because um, I like to have one of those every month. Um, and then I'm looking at some other ideas, and you could email or call me if any of these sound good to you. But, um, you know, in addition to this historic tour that will uh, go around El Medina area, which is East Orange now, um, I'm also looking at, uh, let's see here, uh, I want to do a birding uh, and tree identification tour at Fairhaven Memorial Park, the old cemetery, one of the oldest in the county. Um, 
This is a really good birding spot, and there's some curious trees there that I think people would be interested in finding more out about. It's also um, this nice piece of wildlife habitat, uh, remnant scrub, along the San Diego Creek bike trail behind the Chapman Medical Center in Orange um, that I'd like to explore further right along the creek. Um, and we can ride to the location, but then we could actually do a hike there. Um, I'm also looking at um, doing some living history at the Waffle House in Santa Ana uh, as Dr. Mimulus. Uh, if you saw me at the country fair, I was dressed sort of like Dr. Terminus from Pete's Dragon, if you remember that movie. Um, but uh, with a bag full of real um, indigenous herbal remedies. And so I might do something with that, connecting people to the diversity of, of indigenous plants that could be um, appreciated uh, for the uh, medicine value and uh, food value and material value. I'm also looking at maybe doing something on the farm that we've been trying to preserve, the four acre farm called the El Medina Citrus Lands, also up at Chapman and Solana. Because um, there's turns out there's a ton of trapdoor spider holes there, um, right in the middle of the city. Um, so I want to do another sea turtle bike ride on the San Gabriel River. Um, Bicycle Tree has their own ride every month. Um, really getting into the rides. I've been riding my bike everywhere. Riding to the train station, riding to L.A. Well, sorry, riding to the train station, taking the train to L.A., and then riding around L.A. Um, to visit friends and explore. Um, but uh, Bicycle Tree, which is all about, it's another charity, as old as, a little bit older than ours, or maybe the same age. Um, uh, they they teach people how to repair bikes. They have a facility off of 17th, um, just east of Flower Street, next to Costa Azul, um, Mexican restaurant. And uh, they have a Sabor uh, Santa Ana. Uh, uh, it's a ride where they go around. I should say that better. Sabor Santana, um, where they go around the city looking for a good, uh, good grub riding their bikes. Um, so check out the Bicycle Trees website or their Facebook for more of that. Um, there's this amazing section of Santiago Creek that I want to show, share. I can't, words don't do it justice. It's just this is an incredible spot um, that I want to show you in orange that um, I'll probably get on the schedule. Definitely get up to El Medina Hills. Um, and then I also, you know, a busy area, Black Star Canyon. I want to hang out at the trailhead more often and encourage others to do so. And do some meet and greets where we just engage with the public and find out what they're doing. Uh, why are they there? What what attracted them there in the first place? Was it uh, the ghost stories? Is it... Um, is it the waterfall? Yeah, because that place is getting really, really trashed. And, um, and I think uh, if we can increase the positive presence there and maybe help people understand how to respect that place and, and take care of it and maybe hand out some reusable trash bags that they could bring back and we'll haul away the trash. And um, I don't know. I'm just thinking of ideas to engage people there so, so we can help out that canyon because it's one of my favorite places and but it's heartbreaking to visit there these days. I mean, it's just been loved to death, I guess. I, and uh, so anyway, um, these are just some of the ideas that I'm thinking of doing. Um, but also partnering up with, um, well, I want to partner up uh, with a lot of different groups. And so if you have suggestions on groups that where we can 
just coordinate days and times to do programs, whether they're classes, workshops, presentations, storytellings, whatever, anything to connect people to the natural and cultural history of, of this region. Um, uh, I'm looking at Boys and Girls Club, uh, YMCA. Uh, there's this um, group that helps out homeless youth. It's called Stand Up for Kids. Um, and then also uh, I've been volunteering every Tuesday at the Phoenix Club, a drug rehab uh, facility off of Fruit Street and Grand in Santa Ana. And that's been really rewarding, um, connecting people to different aspects of of our incredibly biologically diverse environment here in Southern California. Um, so I'm doing that every Tuesday just voluntarily as well. But uh, I want to do more, um, uh, but uh, with others, not not by myself. So if you can figure out ways that we can all coordinate and gather together, um, that would be great. And um, just uh, keep uh, keep the feedback coming. I will appreciate it. So on that note, I will leave you with uh, the end of the song that we started on, Meadow Mushroom. Uh, and that was inspired by some mushroom foraging I was doing with uh, Sydney a few years ago up in Lad Canyon. And it is that wet season again. So if you've been noticing mushrooms around... Uh, some of the most common ones, especially in the urban areas, are very tasty. Um, and uh, actually, that would be another thing we could offer is some mushroom identification and foraging. Although, boy, the way, way the weather is, it's rainy one minute and dry and windy the next. So timing is of the essence. Our windows are so tiny for um, mushroom foraging here. But in any case, I'm going to sign off. Enjoy the second half of meadow mushroom and i look forward to our next podcast episode um and where we'll have another guest not not me interviewing myself all right i promise all right take care everyone happy trails i'm gonna rinse you with cool water your slimy skin is what i feel